Okay, great. Um, congratulations, Benji. Thank you. It's very exciting. How did it feel when you found out you had won you'd won the um, Regeneron STS award? It was unreal. I was so in shock, and it was amazing. <laughs> did you think you might win, or was it a total surprise? It was a total surprise. <laughs> Can you briefly explain what your entry was about? Mm -hmm. So I invented a mathematical model to predict the probabilistic spread of potato late blight. Potato late blight is the disease that in part caused the Irish potato famine. And despite lots of research going into it in the past um, decades, there have been no quantitative results that can accurately predict how it spreads. Um, and this leaves farmers at a real loss of information as to how to protect themselves. So my model gives farmers this necessary information that tells them how and when they're going to be infected. And with that, they can protect their own fields and on a larger scale prevent epidemics in a very economic and eco-friendly way. That's amazing. So is this available now for them to use? So it's just recently finished and my next step is trying to get it out there. So hopefully very soon. Fantastic. So tell us a bit about your background. So I go to Hunter College High School. I've been there since seventh grade. It's an amazing place. I love my high school. Um, it's allowed me to study a lot of math and computer science, which are the necessary tools that I've been, that I've employed into um, this model here. Um, and I was working on it in the Agricultural Research Organization in the Volcani Center at Israel. My mentors, Dr. Lior Blanc and Professor Danny Steinberg, um, were had collected this data uh, for me and were really um, so helpful at giving me what I needed to do to the research and guiding me as to the right path. That's amazing. Did you go and visit them in the Volcani Center? Yeah, I was working in um, Israel for two years, the summer after ninth grade and 10th grade. I was there for just about two months, both times, um, working at the center, yeah. Fantastic, and how did that come about? So I wanted to work in Israel, actually, that's where my family's from, so it was like, I wanted to both spend time with my family and also do some work over the summer. Um, so I applied to a bunch of labs, I sent out my email, uh, my resume, um, and cover letter, and they replied back to me, and offered me a position. That's really fantastic. So you enjoyed the trip, obviously, each time. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, so were you born in Israel then? No, I was born here. Um, but my practically all of my family, except for my mom on her side, lives in Israel still. So, so it's your other home. <laughs> Amazing. So, what was it that sparked your interest to start with in in computer modeling, and particular of the of the computer modeling of rust rust spread? Um, well, I've always been interested in math and computer science, um, specifically the tools I employed or that inspired me were like graph theory implementations and modeling things using tools like that. Um, and coming from this background, plant sciences and plant epidemiology was like not really what I had in mind when I was looking for a lab, but I could see the applications in it and I wanted to see if I could apply the things that I was really interested in into this context like that. So the problem of late blight and disease modeling in general was introduced to me at the lab. Um, Lior Blanc, uh, Dr. Blanc gave me a 
fairly long lecture on introducing me to the field in general, and he showed me this data, um, and I was really interested in seeing if I could apply the tools that I had developed and really enjoyed working with on this problem. So can you tell me a bit more about graph theory? So graph theory is, I guess, part of mathematics, but really tied to computer science. Graphs, um, what I mean by graph is actually just a bunch of objects that are connected. So the most common example is Facebook. Facebook stores all of everything as a graph. Every person is a node and every friendship is a connection. And this type of structure, this data structure, is incredibly important in computer science as probably guess based on the Facebook algorithm, but it's ubiquitous everywhere. Um, so the study of graph theory is just how, um, how these connections work and how we can analyze um, this structure to be really helpful in applications to other things like this. So in disease modeling, for example, the graph um, in this case is actually the nodes are the infected fields and the connections are the infection. Um, which is actually a directed um, connection. So one node infects another one, and this is called a directed graph. Um, this is also an acyclic graph, so there's a bunch of properties about it which allow it to be studied in a very specific way, and there's lots of things you can do with this, and that really helps um, understanding how the disease spreads. That's amazing. That sounds really great. I mean, I've never had someone explain something like that to me quite so Understandably, well done, thank you. <laughs> so where, where do you see the field of disease modeling in the future? Um, good question. Uh, there's a definitely, we're in a time where data is becoming so much more easily available. This project is only possible due to this data set that, um, we, that they had collected. Um, so, Using data is very easy. Lots of people do it. All you really need is a computer um, and access to it, and you can do lots of research and have really important results without actually going into the field. Um, and that's basically what I did. I my section, my part was not actually field work, but just working with this data. Um, we at the science competition we jokingly called it theoretical plant sciences because I wasn't working in the field. Um, and I think it's a really powerful tool that we have now in this time. And I think it's not only going to be really helpful in disease modeling, but just about everything. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, specifically for late blight, I think modeling is a really good approach because late blight develops a disease set or a population that is really diverse and very large. It can reproduce very quickly and mutate very quickly, meaning that if you were to design better fungicides or resistant potatoes, it's not only possible, but probably likely that at some point the disease will mutate to get past that. Versus if you're very good at modeling the disease, you can snuff it out from the beginning. So even if it mutates, you contain it and get rid of it. More like um, a vaccine approach to try to get rid of the disease than just trying to cure every potato patch. So what advice would you give to students who are thinking about entering the competition next year? Um, the competition has, this particular one has an incredibly large application, which is a really awesome thing. You really get to show every part of yourself as a scientist, not just the research you've done, but how you think and how you see the world. So biggest piece of advice is start early. 
because um, it takes a long time to finish. Um, and don't be intimidated by the large application. So, so what challenges did you have to overcome to get your idea completed? Um, throughout my research, there was a bunch of parts where I really felt stuck. Um, I think the biggest problem was getting too in my head sometimes. So I had preconceived notions on how I thought the data would work out. And oftentimes, and the most part, it didn't. And this was a good thing. Um, it was as soon as I let go of these ideas of how I thought it would work out, and I really just looked at what the data said, what it meant, and figure out what to do from there, the model kind of um, just, it kind of modeled itself really, and it came out like that. So um, there was a few parts. One of the really hard challenges was validating the model. And this is difficult for late blights specifically for two reasons. One is the data is really limited. Um, every week you have only a couple of infected fields. So if you were to do validation methods that check based on infected fields versus non-infected fields, the, you can't really get a statistical significance to it because there's so few data, even if you say that the model's working, it's working on like maybe three or four locations. So that doesn't show it very well. Um, and the other thing is late blight is presence only data, meaning you know where the disease is because you can see it, but you can never for certain rule out locations. And for this reason, there was no validation method that currently exists. So I created a new one um, to solve both of these problems. It works by reversing the inputs on the outputs of the model. So as opposed to taking in, for example, the wind direction, it takes into account the currently infected fields and the fields that were about to be infected and it predicts the wind direction. And the reason this is um, much better than other types of model uh, validation methods is because predicting the wind direction is really hard. If you consider like all 360 degrees, it, the chance of you getting it right are one in 360. So if you get it right lots of times, um, that shows really high statistical significance. And it also gets around the fact that it's only presence only data. So it solved both these problems. and. Um, developing the model took a full summer, and just doing that one piece took another full summer. So that was the biggest challenge. That's really that's really amazing. Well done on that. <laughs> um, so, so what was the most valuable thing for you about going through that process? Um, I guess just realizing that research is very accessible. And it always seems like for middle school and high school students, something that's so far in the future, like you go to college, you go to grad school, and then you're finally getting to do research. But it's really something that people can approach. Um, even if they're not doing fully independent projects, they can always help and work out, share ideas and things. So being able to do research and have some independence on this showed me that you can start really early. And that's really important because it got me so interested and motivated to learn more math, learn more computer science, and definitely help is going to propel me to do more throughout my early college career, which I think is going to be really exciting. Are there things that you think we could be doing better to improve the, the um, accessibility of science to college, uh, well, sorry, in the US at school, <laughs> high school, <laughs> high school kids and middle school kids? Um, I definitely think there are there's a lot of opportunities out there for people 
who look. I know that plenty of researchers do take high school students just by email, um, and there are many excellent programs as well. I, I think it would be amazing if more people did that, of course. Um, so any extra effort to recruit people in science at a younger age is exceptionally helpful um, to get them interested in it and make sure that people do continue on and do it in college, get degrees and work more. <laughs> so what key lessons have you learned along the way? Um, and and let me interject here for a minute. When when I say that, you you mentioned earlier that your applicate the application for this, for example, was such a long application, and you mentioned that um, it was a great way for you to be able to show who you are as a scientist. So, what lessons? My question is really, what lessons did you learn in the process of applying for this? Oh, okay, for this competition. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess the competition really helped me figure out what kinds of research I enjoy doing. Um, so for this project, it showed the computer modeling and the um, the mathematical side of things was something that I really enjoyed and I see a lot of potential in in the future. Um, like I said before, with lots of freely available data online, it's something that's very accessible um, to everyone, but still has huge um, possibilities and it's something I'm definitely interested in continuing. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> that's a, it's a really important lesson to learn actually, I think, uh, and a lesson that a lot of us could learn more from, I think. Uh, so what are you hoping to do next? I'm really not sure. I'm still unsure of where I'm going to college even, but I, the only thing I know is I want to continue doing a lot of studying in math, computer science, and uh, broaden my education so that I can really find what I want to do with my life. So in, in your opinion, what are the most pressing issues? Um, I'm going to say in our field today, but in computer science in general as well. One thing I find really interesting about computer science is that in some ways we've advanced a huge amount, right? Um, computers are getting twice as good every single year. Um, but in many ways, the theory behind it is old, um, old dating back to pre-World War II. Um, Alan Turing developed a lot of the theories that we still have today and haven't gotten past um, yet. So I really want to figure out how we can connect these two because we've developed the hardware, but not the theory behind it to seriously improve. And we have like new AI, which is improving constantly every week um, and I want to I want to study how we can improve the actual theory behind computer science to propel ourselves in an, a more close to as rapid a way as the hardware has been improving. Well that that's my list of questions Benji so thank you very much for answering answering our questions it's very thank nice you. to meet you. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Um, so before before you disappear, I just wanted to ask you um, about what journal your paper is going to be published in because we'd love to read it. Mm -hmm. uh, my journal, you can actually already see the abstract. It's in plant pathology. So right. We shall we shall look that up. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. So how how did you go with um with writing your um your paper? How how was that experience? 
Um, it was definitely very new to me writing scientific papers, especially ones so robust as this one. Um, luckily, I took great advice from my mentors early on, which was at the end of every week, write down what you did. So when it came time to actually write for publication, most of it was done for me through the process of that. So that's good advice too. Keep a running journal and if you write your methods as you do them, your paper will be really easy. <laughs> I like that advice. I think I'll get my students <laughs> to take that advice too. <laughs> oh no, that's great. 